Hi guys, and good morning to all my listeners and subscribers. I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Please welcome back to the show in two episodes guaranteed to chill our spines, Mr. John Lund. In this first episode, Mr. Lund plays a man named Randy. Randy has been away in the military fighting for our country and comes back to find that the love of his life, Marion, whom he loved very much, has a new man in her life. Her current husband is very wealthy and has a farm on the outskirts of town. So Randy hatches a plan and tells Marion about how successful he has become since his return home and Marion's eyes light up with glee and she realizes that she has made a terrible mistake so as Randy's plan is developing Marion has a plan of her own that she wants to get rid and kill her husband and if she kills her husband she gets the estate and his assets and farm as well since she is the legal spouse and then her and Randy can live happily ever after but unbeknownst to Marion Randy has also his perfect plan of getting away with murder so He's also seeing Marion and his current girlfriend, Dorothy, on the side. But both of their plans backfire on each other. When Randy finds out that Marion is nothing but a cheap little gold digger, he finally has a plan to get his revenge on her. And it is called A Plain Case of Murder. And in the second episode, Mr. John Lund plays a young man who is one early morning or late night getting ready to go to work. When his father, who is a well-known mafia gangster, has a... tumbler that is filled with a liquid that will explode on contact so he puts it in the thermos and makes a bomb out of the thermos for it to go off at 6 a.m. the next morning as long as the young man leaves it in his locker it will go off precisely and blow the factory up but the young man Jonathan has a plan his father's ambition is to destroy the world because the world is coming to an end that is what his father believes so 
His father and his father's friend, who's a well-known engineer, make a bomb out of the turnic, and it's set to go off at 6. So Jonathan goes to work, and not knowing what time it is, every hour on the hour, he asks, what time is it? Because he knows he only has a few hours left before his shift ends. So after his shift, he's running to his locker to get, um, or to his car to get out of the way of the bomb exploding in his locker. But the old man named Mike ends up putting the bomb or the lunch kit back in and then the unthinkable happens and it is called the lunch kit I hope you guys enjoy Mr. John Lund and his performance on the show for this morning if you like the show please comment and subscribe guys and enjoy the show. Thanks. And now, Roma Wine. R-O-M-A, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Roma Wines presents... Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines bring you Mr. John Lund as star of A Plain Case of Murder. A suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Roma Wines by William Spear. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness in entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now, a glass full would be very pleasant, as Roma Wines bring you the young actor who has just made such an auspicious screen debut in the Paramount picture, To Each His Own. John Lund appears as Randy with Kathy Lewis as Marion in tonight's tale of Suspense. How are you feeling now, Judson? Lousy. You the doctor? That's right. Who are those other two guys? They're from the district attorney's office. Huh. Suppose I might have known. First thing I opened my eyes, I'd see those vultures hovering around. I suppose right, all right. Gonna tell us about it? Why should I? Just to keep the record straight and save us a lot of trouble. And you've got nothing to lose. How do you figure that? Because they're going to carry you out of here with a sheet over your face before morning. Is that right, Doc? Afraid that's right. Okay. Take this down, Scotty. Gotcha. You can call it a, a plain case of murder. Spelled P-L-A-N-E. <laughs> I make a joke. Get it? Yeah, very, very funny. I'd been home three weeks when I finally broke down and called her. And she said to come on out. Her husband wouldn't be home. It's funny. I'd already met Dorothy, but I called Marion anyway. Maybe I was crazy with hate even then. 
Maybe it was what I'd been through. Stuck in one of those civilian concentration camps out in the Philippines for three long years. And all the time dreaming about Marion. Making up endless little scenes about how happy I was going to be when it was all over with Marion. Till it seemed that all I was living and fighting for was Marion. The whole war was just for Marion. And then to come back and find she's married to this other guy. Something like that will do things to you, no matter how good you are. And so, when she told me to come out, I went. Why? A sort of horrible fascination, I suppose, to see it with my own eyes. Because I already knew from everything I'd heard that she'd married the guy for his money. And that the Marion I'd been dreaming about all those years was just another cheap little gold digger. I went up to the big front door and rang the bell. She must have seen me coming up the drive. Because there she was right away to let me in herself. My dream girl, Marion. Randy. Hello, Marion. Hello, Randy. Do you mind if I come in? Of course not. Come on in here. It's a little more private. What do we need to be private about? Oh, I thought we'd like to have a little talk. Sure. Let's have a little talk. Oh, Randy, please don't be bitter. Don't you see I couldn't help it? Ed's such a wonderful person. I know you'll like him. I can see why you like him. Oh, no, Randy, it's nothing like that. I, I thought you were dead, and, and then Ed came along and... Well, we fell in love, that's all. A person can't help falling in love, can they? You never tried to find out how dead I was, though, did you? Oh, Randy, I did. I tried every way there was. I checked on that. There's no record that you ever tried. But I did. I swear I did. Okay, skip it. It's really a lovely place you've got here. Yes, isn't it? You can see the property better from over here. Ed owns all uh, all this part of the valley, clear over to those trees. You can see them up against the mountain, you see? You see him? Uh-huh. What's he do with it all? Oh, nothing much. You see, Ed's real business is cattle. Of course, this isn't cattle country. He's visiting one of his cattle ranches now. Oh. He away quite a lot? Yes. Randy, tell me about you. I saw in the papers a big welcome they gave you and all you'd done out there. It must have been awful. It wasn't fun. Well, what are you doing now? Well, uh, in a way, you know, a thing like that almost pays off. Pays off? Uh-huh. All that hero business. You know, I was out there for a commercial aircraft company, selling private planes to sugar growers and gold miners and so on. Yeah. Well, the first thing that happens is that the company makes me vice president in charge of sales. Seventy-five thousand a year. Seventy-five thousand? Uh-huh. And then the movies want to do my life story. And they discover that I've got such great executive ability, they make me a part-time producer. Another fifty thousand. Then, of course, a percentage of the picture and the story price itself will come to, oh, about another 250000 Why, Randy! And then, through contacts in the aircraft business, I run into some guys in the oil game. And that pays off. I don't know. I figure I'll be able to retire in three or four years with a cool million. Oh, make more, of course, if I wanted to stick to it. But why be a hog? Why, Randy, that's wonderful. I never dreamed. Right then and there, I knew I had her. I don't know what had made me tell her all those lies to begin with. Just for the satisfaction of watching her show her hand and jump at it, I guess. But now I knew I had her. And as she talked, as I saw that greedy gleam coming into her eyes, 
I began to know what I was going to do about it. Well, well, Randy Judson, a big, rich, famous man. Oh, I'm so happy for you, Randy. Not even talking about running me for governor. Yeah. Plenty of things fate does. Well, Marion, I've got to run along. Oh, Randy, must you? Yeah. There's a new field we think is coming in today. Not a million a year if it does. Oh, well, all right. I'll walk you to the door. No, all right. Thanks. Well, goodbye, Marion. Randy. What? Don't you want to kiss me goodbye? You know I do, Marion. Oh, Randy. Randy, seeing you again, I'm afraid I made a terrible mistake. Yes, Marion. I'm afraid you have. I was pretty sure after that that all I had to do was wait. There was some truth in what I told her. About 2%. I had been a salesman for a commercial aircraft company, and I still was. And I had a little money. Enough to look the part of the big executive when I was around Marion, anyway. And, of course, it had to be secret. Not only because of Dorothy and of Marion's husband, but because of what I had figured out for later. But as the weeks went by, I saw her, all right. I saw a lot of her and waited. And I didn't have to wait too long. Oh, Randy, Randy, I love you so much. I know you do, baby. Randy, what are we going to do? I don't know, Marion. Well, there must be something we can do. Divorce? Oh, he'd never give me a divorce, you know that. Never. Yeah. It's just one of those things, I guess. Oh, Randy, I can't go on like this. Something's got to happen. Nothing's going to happen, Marion. It could. What could? Something, anything. Just so I could be free and be with you. There's only one thing that would do us any good. Things like that do happen. If somebody makes them happen. You want to kill him. Randy, I know it's terrible. I... I just know it's wicked to even think of such a thing. But you do. Yes. What's stopping you? Oh, I'm afraid. Alone. You mean you want to kill him, but you want me to help you to kill him? Yes. Yes. Yes! Marion, my dream girl. Oh, I agreed to help her, all right. Sure I did. I planned it for her. First, there was the plane. That was going to do several things for us. And, of course, my being an aircraft salesman made it easy. Marion suddenly became interested in aviation. She began reading about it, hanging around the airports. Then she started taking lessons. She learned fast, too, I'll say that for her. Soloed in six hours and had her license in ten. All this time, I stayed out of the picture and just waited. And went out with Dorothy once in a while. This was the build-up. It lasted about six weeks until I got her call and went out there. Uh, my name is Judson, Mr. Dunham. Oh, uh, how do you do? I've certainly been hearing a lot about your product lately. Oh, by the way, this is my wife. Mrs. Dunham? How do you do, Mr. Judson? Oh, my, she really is a beauty. It's a two-place job, you see. Plenty of room in the fuselage for baggage. Uh-huh. 150-horsepower engine, variable prop. She'll cruise at nearly 150, and yet her landing speed isn't much more than 45. And, of course, she has flaps for low-speed landing. Uh-huh. I'm really sincere when I say that you can't match her anywhere near in the price field. Well, uh, 
I don't know much about it, but if that's what Marion wants. Oh, Ed, you're a darling. Well, that's the way we like to make a sale. How about a little spin? Oh, uh, I don't know. Oh, go on, Ed. You've got to begin sometime. Just around the field. Oh, by the way, you've got practically a perfect natural landing field here. Yeah. Have to pull up a hanger, I suppose. Oh, that won't run you much. Climb in. Well, I'll uh, wait right here uh, for you, dear. There you are. You'll keep on the way, no matter. I will. Oh, uh, by the way, before I take you up, uh, here's a release you have to sign. Just a formality. Oh. Uh, three copies. One for me as the pilot, one for the company, and uh, one for the Bureau of Civilian Aeronautics. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, where do I sign? Oh, anywhere at the bottom there. Uh-huh. Okay. That's fine. Thank you, Mr. Dunham. Funny. In spite of everything they tell you about reading anything you sign, the average man will glance through the first copy and sign the others without looking, particularly if he's nervous or in a hurry. That's what he did. The first two copies were just something I dreamed up, because there's no such release anyway. The last was a blank piece of paper. And when he signed that, he signed his own death warrant. For suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you John Lund with Kathy Lewis in A Plain Case of Murder, a radio play by Robert L. Richards. Roma Wines' presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Between the acts of suspense, this is Ken Niles for Roma Wine. Next week is National Wine Week, and throughout California, gay festivals will mark the occasion, celebrating the vintage from which will come another taste treasure of fine Roma wines. For this year, as always, Roma master vintners are choosing the choicest grapes of California's richest vineyards to bring you better-tasting wine. With unmatched skill and the world's finest winemaking resources, Roma vintners patiently, unhurriedly guide this vast grape treasure to tempting taste perfection. Then, along with Roma wines of years before, this abundance of taste richness awaits selection from the world's greatest wine reserves for your pleasure. The result is finer taste always in every Roma California wine, be it sherry, port, muscatel, burgundy, or sauterne. That's why more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wine. Let Roma wine add pleasantness and good taste to your living. Tomorrow, enjoy Roma, R-O-M-A, Roma wine, largest selling wine in all history. And now Roma wines bring back to our Hollywood soundstage John Lund as Randy Judson with Kathy Lewis as Marion Dunham in A Plain Case of Murder. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Let's see what you got. Here. To whom it may concern, I can give no reason for what I am about to do, and I pray to heaven the reason will never come to light. But it is the only way. To my loving wife, particularly, I know this will come as a great shock. But at least I can leave her amply provided for. Goodbye, and Edward Dunham. 
Uh-huh. You sure he is leaving you amply provided for? It would look bad I took if... care of that some time ago. What about the typewriter? There's no question but what it'll be identified as his. He writes stuff on it all the time. He's had it for years. Well, you want me to keep this or will you? No, I'll keep it. All right, doesn't matter. You're positive the gun is registered in his name? Yes. And he'll be alone tonight? Yes, we've been through all this. I know. But I don't want any mistakes. This is no penny ante. Now, you got your reservations? Yeah, yeah, I checked again this morning. Okay. Now, you better leave in plenty of time. You want to be sure and make Phoenix before that little airport closes down. I know. I'll come down back of the house tonight a little beforehand, say, at 12.45. Be sure you don't use any throttle coming in. A long glide. Cut your motor as far out as you can. Yeah, yeah, I will. I'll be on time. You've got to get back to Phoenix before daylight. And when you put through that call to me, lay it on thick. I will. And don't worry. I'm not worried. No, I don't think you are. The wheels were moving. Complicated, but good. We'd been over it enough, rehearsed it line by line, so I knew exactly what she'd be doing and saying almost every minute. First, she'd be circling that little airport about a mile from the hotel and sounding as though she was in trouble. A little trick of thinning out the mixture that I'd showed her. And then she'd be coming in for a landing, taxiing over to the hangar. That would be a little before five. Acting up on you, huh? Yeah, she is. I didn't think I was going to make it. Oh, carburation, maybe. Exhaust valve sticking, I think. Yeah, yeah, that could be it, all right. Oh. Yeah. Thanks. Hey, you staying in Phoenix? Yeah, for a few days. Can I leave it here? Oh, sure. Tomorrow, first thing, I'll get a man. No, out. no, I'm going to get the man down here who sold it to me. I've only flown it about eight hours. Oh, gee, it shouldn't be doing that. No, I'll say it shouldn't. Is there anybody here at night? No, I'm sorry, ma'am. I come on again at 8 in the morning. Well, he may be down here before that, because I'm going to get him out of bed if it's the last thing I do. It's hmm. a brand new $6,500 airplane. Oh, I don't blame you. Well, in case you're out here before I am, I'll give you the key to the shop, so if there's anything you need... Thanks. I'll... Don't bother now. Just send it around the hotel. Okay. Where are you staying? Desert Inn, Mrs. Marion Dunham. <laughs> Hello. Uh, this is the hotel operator, Mrs. Dunham. I have your call to Los Angeles now. Oh, yes, thank you. Go ahead, Los Angeles. Hello. Mr. Judson, this is Marion Dunham. Who? Oh, uh, how do you do, Mrs. Dunham? I don't do so well, Mr. Judson. In fact, if you ask me, I'm lucky to be alive. What? I'm mad, Mr. Judson. I think I've got a right to be. I started out for Phoenix today in that airplane you sold me. I just barely made it. I don't see why a brand-new $6,500 airplane could possibly... Well, I can't understand it, Mrs. Dunham. What seemed to be the trouble? Well, an exhaust valve or two just burned up, apparently. The plane's absolutely useless to me in the condition it's in now. I doubt if it'd even get off the ground. Oh, I quite understand, Mrs. Dunham. I'll send a man I don't want just thing. a man. I think you ought to come down here and look at it yourself, Mr. Judson. I should come? Why, there's nothing in particular that I could... Well, do are or... you responsible for these planes you sell to people, Mr. Judson, or aren't you? Well, I... Oh, all right, Mrs. Dunham. I'll be down first thing in the morning. Uh, where are you staying? The Desert Inn. The Desert Inn. All right, Mrs. Dunham. Tomorrow morning, then. Well, thank you, Mr. Judson. Good night. Good night, Mrs. Dunham. Uh, did, did, uh, did you uh, get your call to Los Angeles, Mrs. Dunham? Yes, thank you. But uh, is the doctor on his way up here? Oh, never mind. Never mind. That must be him. Thank you. 
Come in. Yes, uh, come in, Doctor. I'm awfully sorry to bother you, Doctor, but I've got a frightful headache. I flew in from Los Angeles today, and something went wrong with my plane. I, I suppose it's just nerves, but I was wondering if you could give me something to help me sleep. Why, certainly, Miss Denham. Thank you. I've got just a thing for you right here. Yeah, take one of these, or two, if you think you need them. Uh, well, I'd better take two. Well, they're pretty strong. Uh, how long will they make me sleep? <laughs> You'll be dead to the world for a good eight or nine hours, particularly if you take two. Uh-huh. Well, thank you, Doctor. I'll, I'll go in and take them right now. Ed, would you mind hanging that uh, do not disturb sign on the door when you go out? Oh, not at all, Miss Good night. Good night, Doctor. I was at the field back of our house a little ahead of time. I had a little bottle of chloroform in my pocket. Oh, the plan was all right. Like I say, it was perfect. But it was just a little bit too perfect for Marion. Because when they found her lying there beside the corpse, every one of those little steps she'd taken to give herself an alibi would prove that she'd planned it, premeditated, murder in the first degree. They'd say it went wrong only because her husband managed to knock her cold before he died. The suicide note? There wouldn't be any. I'd see to that. And I'd even be a witness against her. Because instead of flying down to Phoenix with a couple of burned valves in my pocket to support her alibi, I'd fly down there and find there wasn't any plane or any Marion. And when she started that last walk to the gas chamber, maybe she'd begin to realize what I'd been through. My dream girl. I knew she'd sneaked out of the hotel a good two hours ago. And sure enough, I heard the motor. Then I heard her cut it. Then she was gliding in. And then we were walking together over towards yes, the darkened yes, house. Yes, everything went all right. What's the matter with you? You haven't spoken a civil word to me yet. No, I was just nervous, I guess. You got your key? Yes, I got it. Be quiet now. This way. It's dark. I got a flash. No. Knock something over. Shh. Who's there? Walk him. Who, who is it? I'll have to go to him and stall him somehow. All right. Get in there. Get it into the closet. Quick. Okay. It's me, Ed. Oh, what in the world are you doing, Bob? Well, it seemed like an hour that I was in there, straining to hear and not being able to. <laughs> She'd done it. I heard her running down the hall. She'd done it. I had my hand on the doorknob and was just about to step out when there was a click. And the knob wouldn't turn. Marion! 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 <laughs> that was the front door. I was locked in and she was gone! Because I could see just how she'd planned it. Just what I'd planned to do to her. She'd fly back to Phoenix and then put in a call to her husband on some pretext. And she wouldn't get any answer. And pretend to be worried and call the cops. And they'd find me. They'd say I killed him and then got in a panic and locked myself in the closet by mistake. It was a spring lock and it could happen. The door was solid. Oak. At least two inches thick. I went frantically through my pockets for something to work in the lock with. It was no good. But I did find my pocket knife. 
There was just one chance. I had about three hours to whittle a hole through that door big enough for me to get my hand through. I went to work. <clears throat> Ten minutes, my clothes were wringing wet. In 20 minutes, I thought I was going to die of exhaustion. And I'd hardly begun. Somehow, I kept going. Then the knife blade broke. I was almost crying. I opened a small blade and kept on. My hand was raw with broken blisters. The second blade broke. I kept on with the stump of the big one. Hours passed, it seemed. And then, at last, I was through. But the hole wasn't big enough yet. More hours. And then I tore half the skin off my hand and got it through. I opened the door. I was free. As I started out the front door... The phone rang in the hall. I picked it up and listened. Phoenix, Arizona, calling Mr. Edward Dunham. Hello? Hello, operator? Uh... I put the phone quietly back. That would be Marion. That meant that she'd call the cops next. They'd be out to investigate. I only had a few minutes left. But there was still my plane. I started running across the field to where it stood. If I could get off in that plane, I had a chance. A good... And then I stopped. Marion. She'd fly back. She'd land right on this very field. Sure enough, in about 20 minutes, the cops came. Then more cops. From homicide, I suppose. They prowled all over the place, but they didn't find me. I was hidden in that little clump of trees. And pretty soon, they went away. And I waited three hours more. Then I heard it. Marion's plane. And then I saw her coming into land. And I was out there and up on the wing before she even rolled to a stop. Wendy! The double cross, huh? You're a fine one to talk. You and your Dorothy. I suppose you thought I didn't know about her, that you got engaged to her the very day that you were going to frame me, weren't you? Well, at least you tore it and you'll die. You hear me? You'll die. She was dead when I let go of her. My dream girl. I had to get out of there. The cops had seen her land. They must have seen me, too. Because they were running out on the field and began shooting as I took off. But, but something was wrong. Maybe Marion had even figured on this. I don't know. I remember fighting to pull it up. And then those trees coming at me. And the crash! And the fire! You got all that, Scotty? I got it. How is he, Doc? Not so good. Here, Justin. Sign here. Sure. I'll sign. Hurry up, Simon. Oh. Sign. Hey, Doc. He's gone. Dead, huh? Dead. Fine thing. I got a confession and no one to sign it. What's the difference? You got witnesses. Yeah. Plain case of murder. Spelled P-L-A-N-E. Very, very funny. <laughs>
Suspense. Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now this is Ken Niles bringing you back to our suspense microphone, our star of the evening, John Lund. John, may we all congratulate you on a swell job of acting. And may I, too, offer you the thanks of the Roma Wine Company with this gift basket of Roma Wine. Oh, thanks a lot, Ken. And my thanks to Roma for the basket. You know, at this point, I should be able to ad-lib an immortal line about wine. But all I can think of is a jug of wine, a loaf of bread, and now. And uh, I don't recall whether Omar Khayyam specified Roma wine or not. Well, John, if Omar were living today, I'm sure he would specify Roma. Because for both host and guest, there's real pleasure in the tempting nut-like taste of Roma California sherry. Golden Amber Roma Sherry assures tasteful, gracious hospitality for the party giver, satisfying enjoyment for guests. Now, Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations present Suspense. Autolite brings you John Lund in Lunch Kit, a suspense play produced and directed by Anton M. Leder. Friends, now that the weather's getting hot, you're getting thirsty. Everybody's getting thirsty. But not those dandy, dynamic, dependable Autolite stay-full batteries. No, sir, an Autolite stay-full battery needs water only three times a year in normal car use. Yes, only three times a year in normal car use. And it's got extra plates for extra power, protected by fiberglass insulation for stronger life and longer life. Why, in recent tests conducted according to SAE life cycle standards, Autolite stay-full batteries gave 70% longer average life than batteries without the stay-full features. So remember, you're right with Autolite. Oh, and also remember, the Autolite suspense show is now on television in many parts of the country every Tuesday night. And now, Autolite presents John Lund in a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Why didn't he stop it? Father was getting angry, and Gus, he was so sensitive, especially at a time like this. I'll tell him to stop honking that horn, Dad. Please do, Jonathan. Yes, please, please do. I'll call down to him. I'll tell him to stop. Hey, hey, Mike, Mike. So where you are, Jonathan? Cut out that horn. Didn't I tell you this guy was sick? But we're going to be late for work. I'll be down in a few minutes. Take it easy. You better hurry up. I wouldn't want to be late, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't want to be late, Jonathan. Who is this, Mike? Did he cause any trouble? Oh, no, Father. He, he won't cause any trouble. Well, you've got to be careful, son. He wouldn't understand. There aren't many who would understand. You've got to be careful. I only did as you said, Dad. I made friends with one of the old-timers down at the plant. I drive him to work every night. He works in the same unit with me. Now I can't get rid of him. You sure about him, kid? Sure, sure, I'm sure about him. Well, what does he think you're doing up here? Well, I told him a friend of mine lives here. Sick friend. It's all right, Dad. Very well. How's it coming, Gus? Almost finished. 
Gus was the mechanic, an old-timer. My father had real respect for his ability. Gus had chipped out the inside of the thermos bottle. Now he was working on the detonator. Looked like the old-fashioned pocket watch my dad wore. Now Gus started winding it. Somehow, that kind of got me. I wish my father had never started this thing. I wish he didn't believe the way he did about atomic fission destroying the world. I wish he was like everybody else, that I wasn't his son. Hey, Jonathan, I... what time you got? Huh? What time do you have? What's the matter with you? Are you getting too nervous for me, son? Nervous? Oh, don't worry about me being nervous. It's, uh, uh, 829. 829. Okay, kid. <laughs> what are you sweating about? Who, me? Your dad ain't sweating. <laughs> this is no time to be nervous, Jonathan. She'll go off at 6.30 tomorrow morning. Is that okay? Fine, Gus, fine. Okay, kid? Sure. Okay. Now Gus cleared a little space on the table and went to a steel cupboard. He came back with a metal jug cradled in his arm. My father leaned forward. I felt myself tightening up inside. Without thinking about it, I pulled a pack of cigarettes out of my jacket, put one in my mouth. Then as I was about to strike the match, Gus looked up. My father started coming toward me, the veins throbbing in his neck. Put that match away, you fool! What's what? wrong with you? Haven't you any sense at all? What, what, what do you mean? You tell him, Gus. A kid, if one spark gets into this nitro, they won't find enough of us here to fill that matchbox. Oh, the unlit cigarette turned to garbage in my mouth. I spit it out and stamped it to pieces on the cement floor. My father and Gus looked at each other. Gus grinned. My father's face, stone hard, didn't change. And he looked at me like I was still a little boy. Okay, okay, they'd find out. When the nighttime came at the plant, it'd be up to me. Your lunch, kid. Here it is. I just bought it this afternoon. Oh, look how pretty it is. It's a shame to spoil it. All right, finish with it, Gus. This is not a time for jokes. Funny about Gus and his jokes. He didn't believe in this thing at all. He'd sell out to anybody. Money. Just give him money. But you had to admire what he could do. He opened the lunch kit and took the bottle out. He screwed the detonator into the cap. And when it fitted right, he laid it aside. Then he put a siphon into the thermos bottle and opened the jug of nitroglycerin. He poured out a thick, yellowish liquid. And when the thermos bottle was full, he put the top on the jug and carried it back to the cupboard. You better be far away when this goes off, kid. I'll be far away, all right. Jonathan is a bright boy, Gus. I've taught him well. Gus didn't say anything after that. He bent down over his table and his eyes tightened up till you could barely see him. He worked quick. You could see he knew what he was doing. And watching him, I began to feel better. Then he was finished. He put the thermos bottle of nitro back inside the lunch kit, and the sandwich, and the orange. Then he closed the lunch kit and handed it to me. Here you are, kid. Don't drop it. I won't. <laughs> now, son? Yes, Dad? Look at me. Dad, look back at me. Yes? It will all work out all right, won't it, son? 
Yes, Dad. He'll be all right. You will make no mistakes. I'll be careful. And you'll be here tomorrow morning? I'll be here. Good. And then perhaps we'll go away together, you and I. That'll be fine. Oh, there's your friend again. All right, Jonathan, get on with it before the old fool gets us on into trouble. Yes. It's about time. What kept you? We got to talking. He's pretty sick. We're going to be late for work. Well, you should have taken a bus. What about you? I'd have been late. So what? So what? That ain't no attitude. All Jonathan. right, all right. Here. Open up the dashboard compartment. I want to put this lunch kit in. Okay. Be careful. Oh, it's a nice new one. Drive to the plant was something I'd never forget. What if I ran into something? A tire blew. A speck of dust got into my eye and I ran off the road. I stayed off the main highway. Too much traffic. This ain't the right road, Jonathan. I drove under 25 miles an hour all the way. Can't you go any faster? We're going to be late, Jonathan. And all the time, the old man kept talking, talking. You young fellas of today, you're a strange, disturbing lot. Talk, talk, talk. You've a fever in your blood. You're restless, and you don't know why. You're a strange lot. Yeah, 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 strange lot. You've a fever in your blood. Keep quiet. What's that? What? The noise. That rattling. I don't know, Jonathan. Sounds like your lunch kit. Let me at it. What are you worrying about that for? We're going to be late. Stop telling me we're going to be late. Stop that jabbering. Yes, Jonathan. You you think the lunch kit will be all right now? You packed it in pretty well. Okay. If you hear it rattling again, let me know right away. You hear, Mike? At last we came to the plant. The night shift guys were already at work. The parking lot was jammed with their cars. We were late, but I was glad of that. Now I'd be able to park near the entrance. Later on, I'd be able to get out in a hurry. Okay, Mike, this is it. I'm I'm sorry I made you late. Oh, that's all right, Jonathan. Uh, Mind if I go back with you in the morning? Okay, just be here prompt. I won't wait for you. started for the main gate. The guard was standing there, inspecting everybody with a flashlight. I grinned at him and snapped the lunch kit open. How are you tonight? Okay. Not eating much, are you? No. Not much. Ought to. Put some weight on you. <laughs> Pass. I changed my clothes quickly and left the lunch kit in my locker. I figured I must look pretty haggard... So before going into the plant, I went to the washroom and washed my face and let cold water run down my wrists. Then I saw I left my wristwatch in my street clothes. It was against the rules to go back into the locker room until the shift was over. Now all night long, I wouldn't know what time it was. I'd have to ask, have to guess. Oh, Father wouldn't like that at all. Being so careless. I began noticing kind of an ache in the pit of my stomach. Oh, I mustn't get sick tonight. I drank a lot of water. And the pain left me. Then I went back into my unit. Oh, 
Oh, this was going to be a bad night. I was all raw nerves. It was like being in the middle of a nightmare. A nightmare that wouldn't end. My hands were all thumbs. I couldn't seem to make them do anything right. Oh, Father wouldn't like the way I was doing things. I couldn't stand it much longer. Hey, Jonathan! Huh? What are you doing? Cut your switch. What? What's wrong, Mr. Davis? What's wrong? Is that the way you handle that modifier? Where's your apron? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, gee, I, I'm sorry, Mr. Davis. Don't be sorry. Do it right. Get on the ball, Jonathan. Get on the ball. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. On the ball. What time was it getting to be? I couldn't concentrate. I, I couldn't think. All I could remember was what was in my locker. All I could remember was that thermos bottle filled at the top with nitro. All I could remember was a detonator set for 6.30. Hey, Mike, what time is it? 12.30. Hey, Mike, what time is it? Ten minutes after one. Hey, Mike, what time is it? Five minutes to two. Hey, Mike, what time is it? Almost time for lunch. Lunch? And am I hungry? I could eat them. Hey, what's wrong with you? Well, you're white as a... My stomach... Hey, you guys, come over here, quick! How do you feel now, Sam? Uh, better. What time is it? Where am I? You're in the plant dispensary. You, uh, you ever had a spell like that before? No, no, I never did, Doc. What time is it? Say, you're pretty nervous, aren't you? No, 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 I'm all right. I don't know. Your pulse was extremely high when they brought you in here. But I'm all right now, Doc. I want to go back to my job. You want to what? <laughs> I can't allow you to go back to your job, son. Now, just relax. But I'm all right now. What, what time take is it? Take it easy now. Take it easy. It's, uh, it's 2.30. 2.30? Well, then they all gone back to work. I won't be able to go to my locker. Oh, I, won't... I know what you're thinking. Your lunch, isn't that what's on your mind? But lunch is over. I won't be able to go well, back. Now, to... never mind. I'll send somebody to get your lunch, kid. Oh, no. No, don't do that. Huh? No, no. No, really, doctor. I'm not hungry. Oh, sure, I know, but you've got to have something. Uh, just sit there. He went into the next room. I wanted to jump up and start running. Oh, but that was no good either. Why, I made such a fuss about the lunch, kid. What's he doing in there? And he came back. And he was carrying a glass of milk. Here you are. If you're going to miss lunch, at least drink this. <laughs> milk. Go on. Drink it down. Okay. We'll finish it all. That's it. There. Feel better? Yeah. I think... I think I better go back to work. No, you don't want to do that. Just take it easy. Oh, I feel fine now. Really. <laughs> you couldn't go back to work even if I let you. What do you mean? You'll lie down on the cot there in the next room and take it easy. You're going to take a nice long sleep. Sleep? Why, sure. Oh, no, no. i got to get back to work. Oh, no. Not tonight anymore. But I couldn't sleep. You'll sleep all right. I put a couple of grains of barbitol in that milk you drank. Sleeping powder? Hey, what's the matter with you breaking the glass like that? I don't want to go to sleep. I'm all right. Oh, you're all right. Can't even hold a glass. Well, you're in fine shape. And at least you drank the milk. I don't like taking dope. Now, look, son, it'll slow you down. You'll wake up feeling like a new man. 
You little fellas, you don't know how to relax. It's a wonder you live as long as you do. Now, come along with me. You just lie there now and behave yourself. That's right. Crawl under the blankets. Now, in a few minutes, you'll be sleeping like a baby. You won't need the lights. Good night, young fellow. <laughs> Pleasant dreams. For suspense, Autolite is bringing you Mr. John Lund in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Cooking. Don't say those words, Hap. They're poison. Look at this letter. Mm. Oh, from June Bride. Dear Uncle Harlow, I'm just dying to learn how to use that lovely pressure cooker you sent me. Wasn't a pressure cooker. I sent her a dandy, dynamic, Autolite stay-full battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. And she says, I know it must be a wonderful pressure cooker because the instructions say it needs water only three times a year in normal car use. June Brides. They're dumb. She should know that an Autolite stay-full battery has extra plates for extra power, protected by fiberglass insulation for stronger life and longer life than batteries without these features. And she says here, uh, Bob keeps telling me the pressure cooker is really an Autolite stay-full battery that needs water only three times a year in normal car use. <laughs> Uncle Harlow, you're wonderful. Now we can cook as we travel. June brides. Now, if they'd listen to me... Uh, can't. We're going to listen to Suspense. And now, Autolite brings back to our Hollywood soundstage John Lund as Jonathan in Lunch Kit, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Sleeping powder. He put sleeping powder in the milk, and like an idiot, I drank it all down, every bit of it. And then, then I started to get drowsy. With a time bomb in my lunch kit set to go off in just a few hours, I started getting drowsy. No, no, I had to get up, to get out. I couldn't stay there, couldn't sleep through. Had to do something, something. My eyes are getting heavy, so heavy, I couldn't keep them open. Kind of pure nitro, and all the chemicals and inflammable stockpiles here. The place would go up like an ammunition dump. Had to get out. Couldn't keep my eyes open. So easy. It's so easy. Let my eyes close. Go to sleep. No! No! I couldn't go to sleep. I couldn't. I couldn't. I crawl off the cot. Window in the room. I have to get through the window. Couldn't go through the doctor's office. Get out through the window. I started over. But then, then I, I had to stop. I had to sit down. So tired. Oh, tired. So good to sit there. So good to close. What? What? What's that? The nitro! The whistle! The whistle! Time to go home. Six o'clock. I slept right through and then the whistle woke me up. It woke me up. 
Well, lucky. I'm lucky. Six o'clock. The lunch kit goes off at 6.30. Have to act fast. This time, no mistake. Now, now I have to do everything right. Getting out of the dispensary was easy. There was a shed right below the window. I dropped to the roof. I'm into the ground. Didn't feel any too good. Still groggy from the barbitol. There was no time to think about that now. When I got back to the locker room, the boys are climbing out of their work clothes, getting ready for the shower room. Hey, Jonathan, you okay now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel fine. Hey, you better stop drinking that turpentine, Jonathan. <laughs> Boy, you sure had me worry, Jonathan. Oh, I'm all right now, Mike. Do I still get the ride? Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, see you later, then. Gonna take a shower. I changed into my street clothes and nothing flat, not caring how I looked. I was kind of worried the doctor would look in on me and find me gone. When I was ready to go, all the other fellows were in the shower room. Oh, that was the break I wanted. I took the lunch kit out of my locker and slid it underneath. Then I looked at my wristwatch. Four minutes after six. I had 25 minutes to get away. It was working out fine. Now I knew Father would be pleased. I walked past the front offices. No one else around yet. I couldn't walk too fast, though. Not too fast, not too slow. That natural. Not too fast, not too slow. Oh, uh, Jonathan. Huh? That was Mr. Davis. The foreman. How are you feeling now, Jonathan? Oh, I'm all right, Mr. Davis. Anyhow, I want to talk to you. Come into the office. Now? Sure, now. Well, I'm in kind of a hurry, Mr. Davis. At six o'clock in the morning, nobody's in a hurry. Come on, come in. All right, but just for a minute. Close the door. Sit down. Uh, nothing like sitting down and relaxing after a long night. This chair could use a little oil. I really can't stay long, Mr. Davis. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to meet someone. <laughs> At six o'clock in the morning? You still look pale, Jonathan. You sure you feel all right? Yes, yes. Mr. Davis, if it's about the mistake I made tonight... Oh, well... it's not that so much. I'm just a little worried about your health. <laughs> There's nothing to worry about, Mr. Davis. It's just that, well, sometimes I get a little nervous. A little nervous? Look at you, squirming on that chair. You're a bundle of nerves. Something bothering you? I mean, something really bothering you? You can't relax. Nothing's bothering me. Well, just to make sure, I'm going to call the dispensary. I've got a hunch you're not telling me everything. I tell you, I'm all right. A uh, dispensary, please. Jonathan! Jonathan, come back here! What's wrong with that guy? He wasn't chasing me. I looked at my watch. 6.14. Still plenty of time to get away. I left the main building and started across the yard to the gate. It was still dark. I was one of the first out. Hey, you! Don't look back. Don't look back. Keep going. Don't let them stop you. Hey, slow down! Slow down! Bob, I gotta chase you. I'm all out of breath. What do you want? You know as well as I what I want. You forgot something. What did I forget? You forgot to punch the time clock. I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow? That'll be my neck. You're not leaving this plant till you punch out, mister. All right, all right. I'll go back and punch out. Where's the fire? Where's the fire? You ought to work out that energy at your job, young fella. Yeah, yeah. I went back into the main building. And there was at least 20 other guys waiting in line before the clock. Hey, hey, look. I, 
I got to get to town early. How about letting me punch out now, huh? End of the line, bud. But it'll only take a second. End of the line. We all want to get to town early, bud. Okay, okay. I still had time, still had time, still had time. Hi there, Jonathan. Hello. Say, I think Mike's looking for you. Yeah? yeah the old guy sort of adopted you, ain't he? Yeah. <laughs> sure a good long line tonight, eh? Yeah. Well, not so much to do at 6 o'clock in the morning. My missus will be asleep when I get home. Oh. How are you feeling now? Huh? Oh, okay. Say, is my watch right? I got 621. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, 620 I got. <laughs> you sure figure it out to the minute. Right to the minute. Here's my card. Okay. <laughs> parking lot. A whole flock of guys were out by now. It was kind of cold. It took a couple of seconds for the motor to turn over. It was 6.27. I had three minutes. Three minutes. Couldn't waste any time. I was fighting for my life. Finally caught. Started backing out quick. Had to get out of here in a hurry. Three minutes. Less than that now. Oh! Hey! Hey, look out! Oh, my headlights. What's the matter with you? Come out and see what you did to my headlights. I'm sorry, I'll pay for them. Oh, that ain't the idea. Why don't you watch where you're going? All right, here's my driver's license. Uh, I work in Unit 5. I'll see you tonight and we'll, we'll work something out. My name is Jonathan Peters. Hey, hey, not so fast, not so fast. I gotta write this down. You got a pencil? Here's my pen. Well, start writing. All right. Jonathan Peters. Unit 5, Yes! Huh? Okay, here's your pen. I'll see you tonight. You ought to watch where you're going this time in the morning. Back up and let me out, will you, fella? I'm in a hurry. Oh, you guys, always in a hurry, always in a hurry. That's how trouble starts. All right, it's clear now. Thanks. No more than two minutes. I gotta hurry, hurry. Clear now. All clear. Hurry, hurry. Hey, Jonathan, wait for me. Wait, wait, Jonathan. Got away. Now, why'd he do that? These young fellas don't know what the end will be. Uh, that kid sure is wacky. In a hurry. Always in a hurry. Hey, what's the matter with him? Uh, no sense of responsibility. Last night he drives like a turtle. This morning he races out of here like a demon and leaves me standing. Uh, too bad, Mike. Well, maybe somebody else will give you a ride home, huh? Oh, I can get a bus, but this will teach me to do a guy a favor. What do you mean? Well, that Jonathan... I didn't want to keep him waiting, so I came out and looked for him, and he's not in the car. So I go back in the plant to look, and I miss him. When I get back, he's driving off. Yeah? So what's the favor you did him? Well, he was so darn particular about it. Then he goes off and leaves it under his locker. But I found it and put it in his car for him. What? His lunch kit. I put it in his car. <laughs> Sounded like thunder. Thunder? Look at the sky. Yeah, beautiful. No, it couldn't have been thunder. It's gonna be a real nice day.
Thank you, John Lund, for a splendid performance. So people see suspense on television, too, Harlow? Yes, Hap, and on television, too, they learned that an Autolite stay-full battery needs water only three times a year in normal car use. Just like they learned that Autolite stay-full batteries are made by Autolite, makers of more than 400 products for cars, trucks, airplanes, and boats in 28 Autolite plants from coast to coast. Yes, sir, and Autolite makes complete electrical systems for many makes of America's finest cars. Batteries, spark plugs, generators, starting motors, coils, and distributors. All engineered to fit together perfectly, work together perfectly because they're a perfect team. The lifeline of your car. So, folks, don't accept electrical parts that are supposed to be as good. Remember, you're always right with Autolite. And now, here again is John Lund. It's been a pleasure to be here tonight with Tony Leader and his great cast of actors. And as an old suspense fan, I'm looking forward, as I'm sure you all are, to next week, when radio's outstanding theater of thrills brings you Agnes Moorhead in The Trap, another gripping study in... Suspense! John Lund is currently being seen in the Paramount picture Bride of Vengeance. Tonight's suspense play was written by Larry Marcus with music composed by Lucian Morawieck and conducted by Leith Stevens. The entire production was under the direction of Anton M. Leader. In the coming weeks, suspense will present such stars as Ralph Edwards and Joseph Cotton. Make it a point to listen each Thursday to Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills. And next Thursday, same time, hear Agnes Moorhead in The Trap. Buy Autolite Stay-Full Batteries, Autolite Resistor Spark Plugs, Autolite Electrical Parts at your neighborhood Autolite dealers. Switch to Autolite. Good night. Put more opportunity in your future. Invest in U.S. savings bonds. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Well, guys, that does it for Mr. John Lund and his performance on the show for this morning. Please join me tomorrow night, guys, as I bring back to the show Mr. Phil Harris and Miss Alice Faye in the Phil Harris and Alice Faye show. And then stay tuned for an update on upcoming episodes for the summer. I hope you guys have a wonderful day. And always remember to enjoy the show. Please comment, like, subscribe, and listen on your favorite podcast platforms such as Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, and wherever else you get your podcast. Just type in Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast, and it should pull my podcast right up. Once again, guys, thank you to everyone who has listened, subscribed, shared, and we have made a donation to the Salvation Army this past month. 
thank you to everyone who has supported me since day one. I really do appreciate it, guys. Have a wonderful day. And always remember to enjoy the show. Thanks.